Well, my name is Danielle Gutierrez, and um, I'm from Youngstown, Ohio, Victory Christian Center, um, under Pastor David Thomas, and um, I'm actually a part of a church plant out of um, our main campus. Um, and so, you know, it's, how many of you have been a part of a church plant before? Yeah, it's a lot of work, but it's exciting, it's fun, and, um, you know, I just, I honestly, I feel honored to just have been asked to come speak here, because I'm sure that many of you in here have been working with young people for a lot longer than me, um, and maybe even been working in the inner city for a lot longer than me, and so I I want us to even, in our time of question and answer, um, to be open, um, you know, just to pass around some ideas and different things like that. So I'm excited to be here, though. And um, So anyways, I'm from Youngstown, Ohio. Um, been working with young people for 13 years, um, seven of which have been at our smaller campus that was birthed outside of our large campus, and um, been working with um, urban, inner-city young people all throughout that time. For some reason, God just gave me a heart and gave me a connection, gave me favor, um, with those young people, which is really crazy because I wasn't um, born and raised in the same cultures that they were. I was actually born and raised in a suburban culture. I went to a suburban high school and everything, but it doesn't really, what I learned is it doesn't really matter where, what culture you're from, what background you're from, what it matters is what God's called you to do and um, what God has given you a passion for, who God has given you a love for. And, um, you know, we're going to get into that in just a little bit, but um, it really is like if young people can sense that you really love and care for them and are going to be there with them through the thick and the thin, through the hard times, through the great times, it's not just about being with them through the hard times, but it's being with them through the great times, through the victories in their life as well. When they can sense that and when they know that, really like their love for you will never fail. <laughs> and um, so, um, but yeah, so... I also, when I first started, um, I was bivocational, um, so I worked a full-time job um, outside of doing ministry full-time. How many of you know what that's like? <laughs> I see there's even a breakout session for that specific category, so which is really great. Um, and so I understand what it's like to literally... Just be all over the place, giving all of your time, sleeping four hours a night, you know what I mean? But honestly, when I look back at that time in my life, which was for a few years, um, it was some of the best times in ministry for me. It was some of the best times even just in seeing growth in young people and growth even numerically in our ministry. Um, it was during those times, which is really crazy. And so... God gives you the grace <laughs> to get through it. And so I want to encourage you, if you're in that place right now in your life, keep pushing because um, I feel that it's you become more of an example to these young people. You know what I mean? And an example to people in ministry in general, you know? So, um, so yeah, so the first couple years, that's how it was. Worked full time and then gave all my extra time to the ministry and to our young people, and it was one of the greatest times. And then I was brought on part-time, so I was getting a little bit of a stipend, which, you know, it helped. But um, then eventually God opened the door for me to be full-time, and it's really it's been the greatest um, 
this has been the greatest time in my life, honestly. I love young people and um, of, of all cultures, of all backgrounds, and this is just where God has me um, right now, and so I feel blessed to be able to do that. Um, I want to talk to you this morning about creating a culture of family within your youth ministry. Um, if I can say what is the most important thing working with these young people is allowing them to feel like their family. And um, throughout the years, we've had so many young people, literally, they call us mom and dad. We treat them like they're our children. <laughs> they treat us like parents, good and bad, you know, <laughs> like we get it all. But um, creating a culture of family, I think, is the number one thing. Um, working with young people in general. Um, 70 to 80% of our young people that we minister to, they come from a single parent home or come from no parents. They're either from a group home, they're either being raised by a grandparent. And so that, that culture of family, them feeling like belonging and that they're family and that they have brothers and sisters and mom and dad, you know what I mean? I know it might sound crazy, but that feeling is what they desire. That's what they want. Um, I, um, how many of you have, have heard of Jeannie Mayo? Have you ever heard of Jeannie Mayo? I know she's very popular within the Assemblies of God. Um, last year I had the opportunity of being a part of her mentoring group called the Cadre. I don't know if you've heard of that. I don't actually, actually have the t-shirt. Wasn't even thinking about talking about her until last night, but, um, it was a really great experience in my life. It was, it came in a time where I felt like giving up. How many of you have felt that way? Any youth pastor has felt that way at least five times, okay? So I was in this place where I was just like, man, God, like I just, I feel like I can't, um, my creativity isn't like where it was before. I just feel like I'm losing my passion at times. You know, it's tough. You know, ministry is tough. We all know that. It's not as easy as what people make it look like on the outside, you know, and you go through tough times and you go through hurt and you go through pain and struggle and all of that. And so I was kind of in that place. I'd been in that place for a year or so and someone had brought up the cadre to me and it was, I would encourage any of you to go online and check it out. Um, it was, it's, you know, you pay a hundred and I think it's a hundred and twenty or a hundred and fifty dollars a month. And it's a sacrifice, you know, it was a sacrifice, but it was totally worth it because it really like gave me like a boost, like to get right back into the fight and to keep going. And it's a year long mentorship program. You actually go down to her home two times. If you're a woman, you get to go down three times in Atlanta and everything is covered. You just got to get your way down there. And she literally pours into you. Um, I've never seen any anybody be able to do it the way that she does it. It's pretty amazing what she what God has given her to be able to do. So I'd encourage you if you're in a place where you're just needing some refreshing, refueling, um, and just like a new way of looking at youth ministry. I would go and check her out every month. You do conference calls with her with diff really like major generals in the kingdom. I mean, St Stephen Furtick's on a conference call. Um, I mean, you're just dealing with all kinds of really great people. We get to ask them all these questions, and um, it's just really great. She's an amazing woman of God and a mentor, really, in my life. But um, she came out with a book. It's called Thriving Youth Groups, um, Secrets for Growing Your Ministry and Creating a Friendship Culture. You can buy it on Amazon. It's really cheap. Uh, but um, she talks in the... Um, 
and her book because for me and maybe for some of you, maybe you're, you don't have all the, you know, perks of what maybe some other large youth ministries have or youth ministries that come from churches that are really, really well off financially. You know what I mean? You don't have all the lights and, you know, all this different stuff that we think is important when reaching out to young people. And I was one of those people. I was was like, man, I just feel like if I had this or that, like things would be so much easier, so much better. I'd see more young people coming into my ministry and all this other stuff. And it really wasn't that. It was all, it's all about the creating that culture of family, really. But she says in here, um, an article published in Group Magazine revealed the results of their Cool Church survey, which involved approximately 10,000 Christian teenagers. In the survey, teenagers were asked to rate 10 different factors that influenced their commitment to church on a sliding scale from not all that important to very important. The highest ratings in the very important category were the following. Number one, a welcoming atmosphere where you can be yourself. That was 73% of this, of this group, 10,000 teenagers. That was their number one thing. They wanted to feel welcomed. They wanted to feel accepted. They wanted to feel like they could be their self. They didn't have to put on a front or impress anybody. The second thing was quality relationships with other teenagers. That came in at 70%. Interestingly, Enough. The response that came in dead last at 21% was at number 10, a fast-paced, high-tech, entertaining ministry approach. That was the least important thing to them in trying to find, you know, a ministry or something that they felt like they could connect to and be a part of on a weekly basis, you know? And so many times we, we look at the things that we lack, you know, and we think that like we can't do great because we're, you know, we lack this type of thing. That was for me, you know. And when I read that and just being around, you know, Jeannie Mayo and she's all, I mean, she's got it all. So she has all the lights and, you know, cameras and all this other stuff. But, um, you know, to hear that, it was the truth, you know, like that 10,000 young people, that wasn't just, you know, 15 kids, you know, at a youth service on a Wednesday night, 10,000 said that it meant more to them to feel accepted and feel a part of a family. So, um, sorry, my iPad. Okay. Um, So, yeah, so, like I said, family is number one, I feel like. Um, Sacrifice and dedication. It takes sacrifice and it takes dedication. Sacrifice of what? Sometimes it takes sacrifice of your own money. (laughs) Just going to be real, okay? (laughs) Sometimes it takes sacrifice of your own money. I can't even be, I I wouldn't even know how much money we've given and poured into our own youth ministry and our own young people. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just a part of who we are. If we say we're family, we're family, right? There's no, you know, when you look at mom and dad, you know, like they're mom and dad no matter what, you know? So at times, you know, our church isn't able, wasn't able to give us, you know, X amount of dollars to do something or, um, you know, I'll get into some things later, but sometimes it's a sacrifice of your money. Sometimes, obviously, for all of us, it's a sacrifice of our time, you know. Um, we deal with heartbreak, like that's sacrifice, you know what I mean? Like seeing a young person walk away from the Lord, like after you've poured and sacrificed all your time into them, that's heartbreaking, 
you know. And sometimes those are the things that the enemy tries to use to try to take us out, you know. And I've dealt with it all. I've dealt with a lot of hurt and just seeing all of my time and energy. And you know what that made me feel? It made me feel like I wasn't doing a good enough job. It made me feel like is this is my fault, you know. One example, for instance, I did a series on dating and relationships and all of that, sex, all that different stuff. Literally, the month after I found out three of my young people were pregnant. <laughs> so to me, I felt like, what did I not do? Like, and I, I literally, the enemy put all this, like, condemnation on me and made me feel like you're not good at what you're doing. Like, I'm going to tell you right now, that's, like, the number one device of the enemy is to make you feel like you're not good enough to be doing what you're doing. And that's something that I've dealt with many times. Even coming here today, I felt like there's probably many people sitting in here that probably have a lot more greater knowledge and stuff when, in regards to this subject than me, you know. But I'm, that's why I said I'm just honored that God, you know, is allowing me to do this. But, you know, it, it's hard. You know what I mean? It's hard when you deal with things like that. But God honors sacrifice. He will honor your sacrifice in prayer. He's going to honor your sacrifice in time and money and all of that different stuff, you know. So, um, you know, there's many times I feel like when your work goes unnoticed, you know, your work effort sometimes goes unnoticed. And the, you know, the one thing that always has been told to me and the thing that just always resounds in my mind is God sees everything, you know, so... Even though, you know, my senior pastor might not see all that I'm doing and, you know, all this different stuff, like God sees it all, you know, and that's who I'm aiming to please anyways, you know what I mean? So uh, just a little reminder, you know, for you. But, um, you know, when you're going through those tough times, those lean times, those struggle times, um, you have to remember the small victories that you get as well throughout that. And a small victory can be different things to different people. You know, for me, a small victory was being able to see, you know, my young people graduate from high school. You know what I mean? Like, to some people, you know, that might not be a small, vi you know, actually, that's like a big victory to me. You know what I mean? But, um, but little things, even just, you know, small victory of seeing a young person like coming three weeks consecutively. You know what I mean? Like that's a small victory, you know, or seeing a parent actually take initiative to bring their child to church. Like that's a small victory, you know. So um, just reminding yourself of those small victories. Um, you have to know you're called. OK, because and that was the one thing that through all of through all of the tough times in ministry that I've gone through and will continue to go through. I've had to remind, I've known that it doesn't matter like what I'm feeling right now because I know I'm called, you know. So anything that the enemy's trying to throw my way, any, you know, fight that I'm in right now, like I know that I'm called. I was built to do this, you know. And so you have to remind yourself and you have to know that this is my calling. This is what I was purposed to do with my life. And that will, that'll take you a long way. I promise you that. Um <clears throat> The other thing, once they know that your love is genuine, once they know your love is real, honestly, like, you have them forever. You have them for life. No matter if they walk away for a period of time, they always come back, you know, just like a parent, you know. And sometimes them knowing that your love is real, for us, it was going to where they were. So many times as youth pastors, we think that, like, 
the kids are just supposed to come to us. You know what I mean? Like, um, but no, for us, it meant like, you know, I begged my pastor. I told my pastor, I said, we need a van. We need a church van. I've got to go and get these kids from where they're at. They're not just, first of all, they don't have nobody who can bring them. And so, and I'm not going to have them, you know, we've had kids walk. We've had kids ride the city bus, all this different stuff. I'm like, I, if, if they, if I'm telling them I love them, then I better be showing my love. You know, they, it's all right to tell them. It's all right for them to hear that you love them, but you've got to back it up with the physical side of love. You know, you've, with the action behind love. So if I'm telling a kid every Wednesday night, I love you. I'll see you next week. Like, I've got to be there to bring them next week, you know, because as much as they want to come, if they don't have a way of getting there, then, and if I love them enough, then I'll go get them. If I say I believe in them, then I'm going to go get them. I'm going to bring them in, and I'm going to go into maybe the places that aren't familiar to me. I'm going to go into some areas that are tough. I've had a gun pulled out on me before, <laughs> okay? It, you can't operate in fear, though, because you know you're called. Okay, so it's going into some places that um, are not the best places, but you're meeting them where they're at. And when they see that, when they don't, when they see love like that, you best believe they'll be there. They'll be there for you. They'll be there for you when somebody else is talking behind your back about you. You know what I mean? Like they're there to defend you. They're there to care for you. You know what I mean? It's just and so sometimes we've got to get outside of maybe what's comfortable for us and we need to reach them to where they're at. So I encourage you like. To go to where they're at, to get your church van if you have one. If you don't, it's time to place that before God. It's time to ask God, you know, this is what I desire, this is what I need. It's time to place it before your senior pastor, before your church. Let's raise some money to get this van. Because how many of you know that it's hard to even just raise up adults to help you in this ministry? Okay? And so we've went through the, the high times and the low times of help. Okay, and so sometimes our adults are able to go and pick up kids for us as well. Um, but our van ministry really has been like um, just such a great piece to what we do um, with our young people. And so even when it comes to not just bringing them to church, but taking them anywhere, you know what I mean? Like or not even a church event, but just like, hey, we're all going to, you know, put in app job applications, you know, this Saturday. You know what I mean? It's like so we take them out to, you know, an area where they can go get a job. I remember doing that one time, you know, so um, I encourage you get get a van. It will it will work wonders for you, <laughs> honestly, because this is my husband, by the way. I didn't even introduce him. I'm so sorry. This is my husband, Sendo, and we work as a team. He does work a full-time job um, outside of doing ministry, but he does ministry along with me and does all kinds of other things, too. But go ahead. I just wanted to add something. Um, some of you guys think, well, my church is small. I can't really, you know, we can't afford a van. You know, that's you know, eight to $10,000 for a van. At the time where she's talking, our church was probably right around 200, 150 to 200 people. And we had a meeting. Our, our senior pastor, Lock Beecham Jr., said, you know, of your ministries, what do you need most? People are going around like, why do you do curriculum? Or, you know, I need this. And it was all small stuff that would at most like maybe $200. And so we get to my wife. And my wife's like, I need a van. Right? And, every, and everybody in the room started laughing but my wife. And she said, no, I'm serious. She goes, I'm believing that God's provided a van. We need a van for this ministry to go where we need to go. We need a van. And that's when our pastor saw, like, oh, she's serious. And can I tell you, like, it was crazy faith on her at the time. But within, I believe, eight months, 
God provided enough cash to repurchase the van, a nice van, brand, almost brand new, cash. Just purchased the van. So, you know, when she's talking about stuff, like, we've lived this. Like, God provides. If you have the faith and you're, you know, real about it, God provides what you need. Mm-hmm. If God's put it in you, he's going to make it happen. You know what I mean? Like, God put that in me. He put that passion and desire in me. So it's like, not even with the van, with whatever your needs are, whatever you're feeling God has put in your heart, it's going to happen. He didn't put it in your heart for it not to happen. You know what I mean? So don't don't give up. Okay? Um it's all about the things that you're willing to do, the small things, the big things that you're willing to do to show your love and your commitment to these young people. Some small things, Just this is just speaking for me, and honestly, I'm just talking practical today, so nothing super spiritual or anything but the practical side of things. Some of the small things um, for us was going to their football games, going to their volleyball game, basketball games, going to their choir concert, going to their art exhibits, going to their school plays. You know what I mean? It's like I've been to everything, you know, but I mean, those are some of the small things that show your true like love and commitment to them because that's what they want. Feeding them. Honestly, like these kids come on a Wednesday night to youth and they're hungry, you know, and they're going to go home hungry if I don't give them something to eat. If I don't go to Wendy's and get them something to eat before they go home, they won't eat till they go to school the next morning. You know, so sometimes it's those little things, but that means something. When a kid's saying that they're hungry and you're telling them that you love them, it's time to take some money out of your pocket and buy them something to eat, you know. Um, I talked about getting to them, bringing them there. Tutoring. We started some tutoring programs in a season that we don't do it now, but we were doing it. You know, like, if you care about them, if you love them, you want to see them succeed, not only spiritually, but you want to see them succeed in school. You want there to be a testimony of a transformation in a kid. You don't want, and I've dealt with it, when your kids are the ones who are getting suspended from school, fighting, you're being called into the, you're being, like, literally, I'm the one who's being called, not the parent. Or sometimes the parent will contact me and be like, can you come out to the school and talk to so-and-so? And it's like... I'm not that bad, you know, but, you know, that's just the reality of things, you know, so the whole, like, tutoring aspect and stuff really at one time was really great because, you know, we were seeing our kids not only succeed spiritually in life and grow in their relationship with God, but we were seeing things turn around for them even in the school, you know, which was really great. Um, taking the job interviews, I talked about that, some big things that you're willing to do, um, I've taught probably six or seven of our young people how to drive, taught them how to drive, taught them how to do the maneuverability, let them use my car to take their driver's test. You know what I mean? Like, that's a big thing. That's that's a sacrifice of time right there. Trust me. You know, Um, we've done things. We paid for our for young people's prom dresses and tuxes to go to prom and different stuff like that, you know, it's like, well, what, you know, what's a parent supposed to do if you love them and you tell them they can do whatever, you know, they put their mind to, you know what I mean, but they don't have the money to actually do this or that, then, do you you understand what I'm saying, it's just being real, Um, bringing them into your home, inviting them to your home, that is like one of the biggest things when I think about um, creating that culture of family, it's actually like allowing them to be a part of your family, you know, and um, I don't have children of my own yet, 
but they have become like my children, you know. They come over to my house all the time. They spend the night. And there's times where I go to drop them off after youth and they're locked out of their house. So what do I do? I got to bring them home with me. Bottom line, we had a young person. She was 15 years old. She was pregnant and um, didn't know. Well, she says she didn't know she was pregnant. <laughs> and so I eventually started noticing, like, okay, the, your body's changing. It's not just, you know, you're not just gaining weight. Like, you look like you're pregnant. So I had to ask her, you know, like, are you pregnant? You know, she's like, I don't know. And I'm like. Honey, we need to go, like, to the pregnancy help center and find out what's going on. So took her to there, everything, found out she was six months pregnant. Yeah, six months pregnant and um, found out what she was having, when she was due, all, all at the same time, you know. And she only had a few more months so this baby was coming, you know. And so she was. she's one of the young people who I would, you know, take home every day, obviously, home life, a mess. Um, and... The one night, locked out of the house. We saw people in the house. We saw lights on. We heard music, all kinds of stuff. Nobody was coming to the door. Didn't have a key. So um, I had to I had to bring her home. I wasn't going to let her sit on the porch, you know what I mean? Pregnant or not, I wasn't going to let it happen. So brought her home. This would happen every once in a while. Eventually, we just moved her into our house. And she lived with us for about a year. It was her whole senior year of high school, so she came in like in the summer before and stayed with us all the way till after graduation, found herself an apartment, has a full-time job now, and is doing great. She actually is one of our leaders and helps us out in the youth ministry. But that was, that was, a, big, that was a big sacrifice right there, you know? But, I, but God told us to do it. If God wouldn't have told us to do it, then we wouldn't have done it. So I'm not telling you... Just bring in all these kids that are part of your ministry that have a rough problem. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that, um, and I honestly, like, I wouldn't do it again unless God told me to do it, okay? It wasn't easy. It was hard. We had to break through a lot of barriers, you know? Um, but talk about changing, and it's not a pat on our back at all, it's a... It's all about Jesus, honestly. But talk about being able to change the very mindset and the very culture of a young person when they're in your home. When they begin to see, you know, this is how you're supposed to live your life. This is what it's like to live in a clean home. This is what it's like to learn how to clean. This is what it's like to learn how to do your laundry the proper way. You know what I mean? This is what it's like to shower every day. You know? It's like those simple things. This is what it's like to go to the grocery store. You understand? And buy the proper groceries. You know what I mean? So it's a lot. It's a lot of stuff that you've got to break through. But honestly, like, I'm so glad that, like, we listen to God. And I know my husband will say the same thing. So glad that we listen to the voice of God and we're available. Because honestly, it's all about being available. It doesn't matter what type, you know, having all these accolades and all this. No, it's about being available. God wants to use people who are available to be used by him. You know, and that was just one way that we made ourselves available and changed somebody's life forever. Honestly, I truly believe that we've changed her life. We've changed her son's life forever, you know. And you know what? Just because I didn't, I didn't do it to get the applause of men at all. 
But I know that one day when I go to heaven, that'll be something that God highlights over my life and said, well, well done, my good and faithful servant. You know, it wasn't preaching to the thousands and seeing all these people get. No, it was taking one and seeing that one then change other people's lives. Honestly, that's really what it's about. So, um, Another, just on a practical note of creating that culture of family within your youth ministries, how many of you guys do small groups in your youth ministry at all? I would encourage you, maybe it's not for everybody, but I encourage you to try it. Um, doing small groups within your youth ministry really, um, honestly, it helps you as the youth leader. Um, we do small groups every like four to six weeks, and they always go along with maybe like the series that I'm preaching and, um, but it gives our adult leaders um, a chance to really, like, disciple and mentor young people. Um, what we require our, our adults to do is um, every four to six weeks, not only are they meeting, you know, with their small group, and this is literally the whole youth service. I don't just, like, preach and then meet in small groups. No, our whole the whole night is geared around small groups. And um, with that... Um, you know, I, I, I sometimes will create kind of like an outline for them to go by. They, they sometimes use it. They sometimes don't. You know, they sometimes they just allow Holy Spirit to move and it's better than what I put on paper, you know. But it gives them an opportunity um, to pour into these young people. It doesn't always have to be you doing it because you will wear yourself out. Trust me, you will wear yourself out. And as your ministry grows, which it will grow, it'll grow when you do small groups. It'll grow with all kinds of different things. As it grows, you cannot minister one-on-one with every single kid. And I learned that the hard way. Um, in the beginning, it was, it, it was easy for me to get together with, you know, to have, you know, a car full, you know what I mean, and be able to hang out with them. But, you know, as things grew and grew, it was like, okay, like every weekend now, I'm like having kids over my house just because I'm trying to make sure I spend quality time with all of them. You know what I mean? And it, and it could be a lot. Um, so the small groups were really helpful to us because we don't actually lead a small group. So that gives us an, that gives us a break once a month. Okay. How many of y'all need a break once a month where you're not speaking or preparing or whatever? You know, so it gave us a break. Um, obviously we're there, but. Um, and it allows our leaders to really step up to the plate and it allows our young people to connect with other people outside of us. OK, um, so I would encourage you to 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 look at in this book, this thriving youth ministries um, book. There's like a whole chapter on small groups and how she has done small groups. She's like she believes in small groups like she believes in Jesus, literally like it's. <laughs> It's major in her ministry. And honestly, Jeannie Mayo has had youth ministries of over a thousand young people. You know what I mean? So, I mean, her youth ministries at times have outnumbered the church. Okay? So she's, she knows a lot. I trust her when it comes to youth ministry for sure. But, um, so then one of the things that I do is I require our small group leader to, um, to each leader to be in contact with their kids once a week. Via text, via phone call, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, they're in contact with them at least once a week, just checking up on them, letting them know, hey, I'm praying for you, whatever the case may be. Um, and then every month, every six weeks, I like to see them do something outside of church with their small group. There, right there is creating that culture of family right there. Um, 
So, you know, whether it's, hey, we're all going to go to Joe's football game, you know what I mean? Or this Friday night, make sure that, you know, you meet at the church or we're just all going to meet at the school, whatever. Or it's, hey, I'm having everybody over for a potluck, bring something to share. Whether it's um, we're all going to the movies, whatever it is, like that small group leader can do whatever they want. Um, and you, it doesn't always have to cost, you know, money out of their own pocket. You know what I mean? If they just want to have the kids over to their apartment, whatever the case may be. But small groups have really been good because it helps us do what we want to do with these young people. We can't do it by ourselves. So um, how many of you are trying to get involved in the schools around you? Or you are involved in the schools or you're kind of feel like you're hitting a wall at times trying to get into the schools. Uh, we're very involved in the schools around us. And, um, you know, my my pastor, he had just told me I wasn't involved in the schools at all. And he's like, I really want to see you get your foot in the door with the schools. So however you think you could do that, go ahead. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, didn't give me any advice on, like, you know, how I should do it or anything. It was just like, you know, just find a way to do it, make it happen and do it, you know. So I was like, okay. So I was like, how the heck am I going to get in these schools? So I felt like it was a God idea. We have a lot of kids who play football in the one school that's literally like right be like right behind the church. The kids walk from school on Wednesdays and come to youth like where it's like right smack in the neighborhood. And um, so we had a lot of kids that played football. So I was like, I'm just going to try to get in through the football team, you know. So. You know, in high school, like, I was a cheerleader, and, like, I knew, like, how everything goes with the football team, and, like, if you really want to get into the school, I felt like that would be a good way to get in, so um, I knew that, like, they do their pre-game, like, pasta dinners every week, so I was, like, so I asked my pastor, I was, like, could we, like, provide the pasta meal for the team, you know, because when I was in high school, that's, we went to a church, and, like, a church, like, I don't know if they provided the food, but they provided their facility, and um, so he's like, well, we can't really use the facility because, like, we only have, like, one big sanctuary and, like, you know, to be spilling food and everything. It just wasn't going to work. So I was like, okay. So I knew um, one of the parents of one of our kids. She was a booster and everything like that. So got connected with her. And here, like, obviously the school, like, was struggling financially. And so they were like, yeah, for sure, like, because we don't have a plan to do anything like that, or we weren't even doing anything like that. The, the football team wasn't getting, like, a pre-game meal and all this other stuff. So I was like, great. So we started doing it, and um, we're still doing it four years later. We're in another school and doing it as well. We'll probably add another school very shortly. And so um, so we do this every week, and I and I – alternate you know places right now because i don't have a lot of people that are able to help me so i'll literally i'll bring the food i I do it for their home games so that helps me out so i'm like one week i'm at this school the next week i'm at that school one week i'm at this school and um that was like our first like door into the school um and honestly like it was all about love it was literally like we love this school district we love these kids we love this team so much we want these young people to know that we're behind them 100%. Win or lose, we're behind you. Whenever you need anything, we're only a phone call away. You know, we just began to build relationship with the kids through that way and the coaches. And then obviously the coaching staff is talking to the principal about what we're doing. And that's just opening more doors for us. Um, I do another thing. Take it if you can take any of this stuff, honestly. And um, 
The one thing that we do is OGTs. How many of you guys know when your kids are going through the OGT time? That's a tough time for your kids. And so one of the things that we do is we get a list of all the kids who are taking OGTs who, you know, still haven't passed. And so they keep going. We get a list and... Um, We've done like a personal like note to each kid and we attach like a little like snack to it or whatever. And it just says like, you know, we're believing in you this week. We're praying for you that you're going to pass these tests. And you know what I mean? Just in a, a note of encouragement that the teacher will give to all the kids right before they take, start taking their OGT. You know, it's something really small, but I've heard so many like stories of how much like it encouraged these kids, you know, and not only the kids, but encouraged the staff of these schools like we now have staff members coming to our church because of just taking that one step in helping the football team you know um now we're doing something where um the school this one particular school does like students of the month and they honor kids and you know they don't have the money to like give them anything and so when i met with the principal i was like you know what kid is there anything else we can do in the school to help you out so now we like provide like a ten dollar gift card for each student every month and um just like a little goodie bag just to you know show them that like we can every time every month that i get to go in the school to do that i have an opportunity to like share who we are where we're located what our youth ministry is all about i get to invite them to come out on a wednesday night and that's at least once a month and and then if it's during football season i'm in there you know four times a month you know and then we just started doing another thing where we honor teachers and this is actually one of our um Another youth pastor at one of our other campuses came up with this idea. And so we're trying to get this, like, idea throughout all the schools in our area. But it's called the United Teacher Awards. And um, what we do is I do every grading period. I go into the school and I start promoting the awards and all that with the kids. And the principals literally, like, <clears throat> how many of you know, like, especially in, like, an inner city school, at least with what I've dealt with, like, Anything you want to do, anything you want to give them or like, they're like, you can do whatever you want. You know what I mean? So like, he told me, he's like, you can come in here, you can pass out flyers for your youth ministry. I mean, all this different stuff. Like, that would have never happened in the high school I went to, you know? So, um, so yeah, so I get to go into the school. I like pass out all these different things about our youth ministry as well as get these kids to vote online for their, for the teacher who most impacts their life. And um, so every grading period, we do this thing, and the kids get online, and they vote, and they do all this thing, and then we randomly, like, select. Well, I say we randomly select, but I just, I pick a kid that, you know, I see has put in a lot of votes, and I see that is a kid that's like, you know, uh, the ringleader of the group, so to say, you know, I'll pick that kid, and we bring them free Chipotle for lunch that day, and then we bring lunch to the teacher who was voted most, um, and we, from like the Outback or something, they have lunch together and these, and I do like this nice little write up to them. And these teachers literally have like cried when we've given them, it's not like any huge award or anything, but like, it just shows like how these teachers like are so like, nobody ever tells them like how great of a job they're doing. You know what I mean? Which blows my mind, but um, but yeah, so like they've like had tears in their eyes when I'm talking to them about how this kid like nominate you were nominated out of all these teachers and it's just been a great experience like into the schools. So if you have questions about schools and getting in, I would love to talk to you about it. Um,
But I've really seen like that affect our youth ministry in a positive way, me being in the schools. Like whenever there's a crisis in a school, like um, I think it was last year, there was like a, a child had died and stuff like that. So like they're calling me, you know what I mean? And I get to like be able to like pray with kids and share Jesus with people. But it wouldn't have ever happened if I didn't do the like practical side of it, you know, like. If I would have just came in there and been like, I want to talk about Jesus in your school and have this assembly and this. No. And I'm still waiting for the day, honestly, where I get to do some type of assembly within the school. And I know it's eventually going to happen. I've seen it happen before. But I'm just like slowly like just making my mark and build, you know, just trailblazing that path for when that opportunity does come. So, um, how much time do I have 15 minutes right now? I think so. Okay. Um, real quick on fundraising, because I know that that is like, I don't know, maybe it's not a struggle for anybody in here, but it's been a struggle of mine. <laughs> and this is one thing that, honestly, I did not come up with this. This was a fundraiser that ha- that my youth pastor, that our youth pastor came up with 15, 20 years ago, okay, and it still is used within all of our campuses. Um, it's called the 52365 Club. And what it is, is we ask people to donate a dollar a day or a dollar a week for the year. So 52 weeks or 365 days. $52 may not seem like a lot to you, but when, you know, 50 people are giving $52, Within that year, it is a lot. And then if you talk about a dollar a day, $365 may not be a lot, but when 50 people give $365, it is a lot, you know? So take that and run with it and do it however you want to do it. Um, we, we do it in a lot of different ways, but, um, but yeah, the 52365 club, very easy, very plain. Um, but it has worked for 20 years in our church. So these two go to our, our main campus, their pastors there. And so they know all about the 52365 club. So, um, but that's just one of the fundraisers that has been successful for us. And then we, and then we honor them on a Sunday morning for being a part of that club. We give them some small mug, some cookies, some cookies, some cookies, some small mug, a thank you letter, some small just acknowledgement. Hey, we thank you for mm-hmm. the sacrifice you give to this ministry. Yeah, give them updates on what God's doing in the ministry what we've been able to do with the finances that you've sold into the ministry, that means a lot to people, you know. That means more to them than a coffee mug does, honestly. So, um, And then this last thing, and this is something that um, when I implemented this in our youth ministry, I saw just major growth spiritually in the lives of our young people. Um, I did a summer program, and many people do programs in the summer for their young people, and I gleaned from all kinds of different ones that I knew of. There's many churches in our area that do different programs in the summer for young people. But, um, but I kind of like created my own from a mix of all kinds of different ideas. Um, and so you can do the same thing. But I started noticing in the summer months that our young people um, were getting into more trouble. Because they were home all day. There wasn't nothing to do. There wasn't no food in the house. You know what I mean? Like so... They're going to do, you know, cables turned off, water's turned off, whatever, you know. So they find trouble, you know. And so I thought to myself, you know, I know I can't, like, have these kids with me five days a week, you know, or whatever. But I can do, like, two days a week with the kids. 
So, and actually, they're here, they're there on a Wednesday night, so I have time with them then. And then I'm there, then they're with me Thursday and Friday. And this is, this starts like a, I give them like a week after school, let's out to just kind of chill out. And then we start our program. We go till about a week before school starts again. And um, this is every Thursday and Friday. And we do, I try to keep it at a very minimal cost. So for the whole summer, these kids, they, all they have to raise is $150 for the whole summer. And, you know, for us, like, we haven't been able to take our kids to, like, AG camp or anything like that because it's just, sometimes it's just really expensive, you know, or even just we've at times, like, joined in with, like, our campus, our church has done summer camp before, you know. But um, so this was something that I felt like $150 for the whole summer, like, that's, like, that's a deal right there, you know. So, um and how I do that, honestly, is, like, I get, we eat breakfast and lunch together every day on those two days or whatever. So I get that donated. You know, I ask people in our church, like, can you donate breakfast on January, or on June 15th? You know, can you donate lunch on you know, August 1st or whatever, you know? And I make a, a calendar of who's donating when. And it's always, like, really good food, too. It's not like they're getting pizza every time they eat, you know? So, um... But yeah, so it's every Thursday and Friday, and when I did this, like I said, I saw the most growth spiritually in our young people, and so I do it every summer now, and um, and so like I'll just give you kind of a breakdown of how the day goes for us. Um, we eat breakfast together every morning, so that creates that family right then and there. That there's that creating that culture of family within the youth ministry. Eating a meal together is big time. Um, Oh, this was one other thing I wanted to tell you guys to do that we did too that really creates that culture of family. Every year we do a big Thanksgiving meal with our kids. So, and they literally look forward to it every year. We do it on a Wednesday night when they're already there and we provide all the food for them and we do like a night, like I do like, I get, you know, the plastic like champagne glasses and stuff and like I use like the um, sparkling cider and we do like a toast and we talk about what we're thankful for and it's like literally like I cry almost every time every year that we do it because these kids like talk and share all this different stuff that's just really great and um, but that's something that we do right before like the week before Thanksgiving every year and it's been such a hit for our young people so we do breakfast in the morning and then we do corporate prayer usually for about half hour, 45 minutes, sometimes it goes into an hour, you know, however Holy Spirit moves. Um, but that has been a really great time for us because we're teaching our kids how to pray. Um, and then after that, I usually, we read through a book in the summer as well. The last three years we've been, we've read one of Pat Schatzline's books. Every year that he has released a new book, how many of you have heard of Pat Schatzline? He's real big in the AG as well, but amazing books. Look him up on Amazon. Look at his books um, for young people, challenging, everything. So we've done his book every summer, his, a new book of his. Um, and so we do like a book discussion time. And so, and that's one of the things that I want to do is I want to see, like, I don't want their brains to just shut down in the summer. You know, I want them to do something productive when it comes to reading. So they'll read a book, we do a book discussion, or sometimes I bring in some, a guest speaker and they'll do a teaching. Um, we do some practical teachings, like this year we did Dave Ramsey's, um, courses for youth on finances and stuff like that. Um, we, 
talk about, you know, how to fill out a job application, how to write a resume, um, different things like that, how to dress when you go to a job interview, you know, all those practical things, we do that. Um, then we do lunch, and then we either, depending on what day it is, we do some type of community outreach. We serve our community in some way, whether it's at the rescue mission, we're scrubbing walls, or in our neighborhood that we've adopted, we go there and we put on a program for the kids, whatever it is, we're doing something in the community, and then, um, or vice versa, we do some type of field trip. We take them somewhere just to have fun, take them to, you know, swimming or whatever, bowling, just all kinds of different stuff like that. So that's, that's kind of a quick synopsis of our summer program. But I would encourage if you're looking to just add something to really see growth spiritually in your young people, especially through the summer months, consider doing something like that um, for them. But... Um, I want to hope we have like 10 minutes for questions. So um, if you have any questions, my husband's available. He's going to answer questions as well. So I'm sorry that I kind of rambled through a bunch of stuff. I hope you got some good nuggets. So, okay. How um, You know, we've done different things to promote it. The thing that, the one time that we did this, it was probably the best um, we saw the most people give to it is um, we did a video and we showed um, we had people like who were raised in youth ministry um, in the in church like our children's pastor at the church was a teenager grew up in the church and so we just allowed like testimonies of like if people like you didn't donate and give money I wouldn't be who I am you know just different things like that we've had our own young people on video talking about like if this ministry wasn't here for me I would not be alive I would not you know what I mean like just hearing from the kids is really what I think grabs like the heart of the people, you know, is when the kids are sharing or when, you know, somebody who's been through the youth ministry is sharing about the impact that it made and how it wouldn't happen if people like you didn't donate, you know, to see us able to do what we do. So um, the football meals, our pastor actually has a fund. We're a very outreach driven church. So that's part of our, like, local outreach, but he allows me to be able to, like, do it and kind of have the heart behind. But some of the other things, like the OGT thing that I've done or the teacher award thing, that, I mean, sometimes I take it out, like I said, out of my own pocket, you know what I mean, to do, you know, like, I'll take it out of my own pocket sometimes to, you know, feed the teacher of the month or different things like that. So hopefully, yeah, go ahead. So, um... Okay. Um, but we've really felt a calling to reach out to the youth within our own neighborhood. So I guess my question would be like, what would you suggest as far as the first step that would spark interest to reach the youth in our actual neighborhood? Is yeah. Thing, like that you think would attract them to just learn more? Maybe like, you know, kids that don't know yet know Christ. And, mm-hmm. um, just like something that's not overwhelming, overbearing, but something that's inviting. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think getting involved in the school, honestly, in your like community would be a good first step because it would be kind of like, uh, like you could say like you can go door to door, you can, you know what I mean. But if they don't like know you or you don't look like a familiar face, you don't want to look like 
Not that you guys look like this, but you don't want to look like a creeper. You know what I mean? Like, hi, like I'm this like adult man just coming to invite you to, you know, my house or whatever, you know. But I think that if you establish yourself within the school system, honestly, like I feel like the schools, the schools are an open door to really like show your face and for young people to see who you are and get familiar with who you are. I mean, we have posters up all within the schools with our faces on them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like promoting what we're doing in the school, but we make sure we put our, a picture of us on there because they recognize that they'll recognize our face then at the football game or they'll recognize our face at the band concert or whatever, you know? But I would try getting into the school in some way, um, you, some of the ways I've done or things that God's put on your heart to do. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, the neighborhood that we adopted, we actually went um, a month before and put a flyer in all the, in all the doors and said, on this date, we're going to come. We're just going to bless your neighborhood. Mm -hmm. but picking up leaves, cutting your grass, um, whatever you need. We've gone door to door and said, hey, is there anything we can do to help you out? People have been like, oh, my door needs fixed. Okay, we'll fix your door. Things like that. And what we've done is we brought our, our youth with us, and the youth actually infiltrate and get to know the kids also. So it's like a catch point to come in here and blessing, but also, you know, you're going to know the people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is a good, that's a good one. Any other questions? Go ahead. I charge $150, and honestly, I, well, we don't make a dime from it. Like, that is, like, the bare minimal. The kids will pay that. So we will do fundraising to help them. Sometimes our church will sponsor some kids. Sometimes if a kid's only, like, I can only pay $50, you know. Like, we try to get our kids to pay something out of their own, whether it's out of a parent's pocket or their pocket. We try to get them to pay something, you know, because we find, and all of you have probably found this too, if they put some of their own hard work into it, they're more likely to stick it out for the year, you know. Um, if they know that they put $100 down or $75 from their hard working hands, you know what I mean, then they're going to stick it out. If I give them everything, I'm just, you know, enhancing the problem that's already there at times. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, do you have kids that go to camp as well, or is it just the summer program? Do you promote both, or do you just promote yours and you just stay away from camp because it's just a struggle? Yeah, um, honestly, these last years that we've done our program, there has, well, we haven't really been involved at the AG's camp, sure. like, ever, honestly, because it was so expensive, so, like, our... Victory campuses would put on a camp for our ki for the kids that come to our church um, campus wide, and uh, but then they just quit doing that. So then I was like, well, my kids aren't gonna have nothing to do this summer. You know what I mean? Like, and and camp wasn't enough for them. You know what I mean? Like, camp was a great week and it lasted for them, you know, a little bit. But we had to like we had to do something else to build upon that. And Wednesday night wasn't enough for them either in the summer. You know. So, but, um, but your question about like raising funds for both, um, this year we are trying to get our kids to AG camp. All of our campuses this will be the first time that we ever bring them to the AG camp. And, um, so we're working hard at doing that. Our pastor is going to be doing, um, 
And it's crazy because our kids' ministry has camp the same week that we have youth camp. So, you know, it's like it's a struggle, like, coming, you know, because they want to raise money for their kids, too, you know. So this year will be the first year that we're all trying to do it at the same time. And it's going to be really interesting. But our pastor said that he's going to take up like a separate offering and, you know, and just and our people real our church has grown like amazingly in the last the art campus has only been around for it coming on to eight years. Uh, we've been there for seven years and we've seen the church just grow numerically and financially, too. So God's been good. Um, so I, we're believing that offering. Yes. Tradition. Yeah. Right. Whatever they got to do to get there. Yeah. And so it's just interesting to, to try to. I was just interested to see if like you do both or if you try to promote both because we talked about if we can offer an alternative. Yeah. Um, and that would be a good alternative. Is doing, you know, still doing camp, but then for kids who maybe aren't able to do, still providing them with something, you know. So, yeah. Mm hmm. Any other questions? Okay. It was very nice chatting with you and meeting you. I hope you enjoyed your time with us. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat>